Welcome to the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast, where we explore what it means to grow daily and find our best in every aspect of life. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Eyes Up Mindset Podcast. I'm John Shirky here with my friend, my co-host, Jamie Wagner. Jamie, excited for the show today, the conversation. It's a little bit impromptu, but I think it turned out awesome. And this is a guy that I, I could talk to you for hours. You know, we, we say that a lot about some of our guests and we did spend a ton of time uh, catching up with him, but coach Jeff mom, longtime head football coach in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. I used to live there, used to live there with me. Tell us a little bit about kind of him and our conversation today. <laughs> coach mom has, had the incredible fortune to, to be in a, in a single place for a long time. And that he, he mentions it, that a lot of young coaches aren't looking to settle in these small communities. And, and one of the things that I love about it is he's, he's not only been the head coach, he, he's developed a leadership class and leadership curriculum for, for their school and their program. And he's, he's had this opportunity to impact so many lives around what it looks like to live rightly right? Not just as an athlete, but in everything we do. And, and he doesn't say this out loud, but one of the things that kept coming across to me in the interview is, is when you do it with consistency, when you live that way, people just don't really ask questions. They don't, you know, you might be able to do some things and get away with some things that other people are like, man, that's crazy. Why are you doing that? Why are you opening yourself up? Well, I trust who I am enough and that people have seen me do it enough and with consistency that it doesn't matter the X's and O's. It doesn't matter how you do it. It just matters that you do it over and over and over again. And I think that's something that coach mom has exemplified in his time in Thief River. And, and what we hope to do on this podcast is to say, Hey, however we're getting at it, it's kind of the same thing, but it's always good and it's always valuable. And he gave us a bunch of good stuff today. Coach mom. Coach Jeff Mum, thank you for joining the Eyes Up Mindset podcast. I I think I, I know I can speak for Jamie too, as it's a, truly a pleasure to have you on today and excited about our conversation. Well, thank you very much. You know, I, I've been around a long time and I tell you what, uh, you know, when when you told me that I was gonna get the opportunity to do this, it was just like it was just like uh, a rookie again, just starting starting off with coaching and being all nervous and stuff. And so it's uh, that, that's a good thing that I can still get this excited about this and, you know, watching what you guys do and stuff, it's, you guys are doing phenomenal work and thank you. And I don't know, this is just, I'm very honored to, to be a part of this. So thank you for asking. You bet. Um, so you, you mentioned you've been around a few years. A few years. Yeah. Tell yeah. us a little bit about kind of your coaching journey and coaching, teaching kind of where you're at, those sorts of things. Cause some people are absolutely going to know who you are. Um, but Believe it or not, Coach, we just got our end-of-the-year podcast results in 15 different countries. People are listening to our podcast, which blew my oh. mind. But So just give us a little background as far as like where you're at, how you got into coaching and teaching, and kind of a little bit about your journey. So is Wisconsin one of them countries? No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it started, you know, um, you know, when you look back, you know, when you think about who influenced you, at, at a point, you know, I remember we had, we had two phenomenal 
coaches, but two phenomenal teachers when I was in high school. I was from a small high school in Clayton, Wisconsin. And those type of guys, you know, usually don't come around or stick around in small schools. I, you know, it's a stepping stone for them. But I was blessed to have Ed Langham and Steve Russ. And, and um, you know, they, they challenged us. And it was just a whole different mentality way back then with the weightlifting. And, you know, so for me, it's like I, I always wanted to get into education and coaching. And um, so I went to college and um, I was assistant football coach for two years at Superior High School in, in Superior. I got to work under Larry Hoff, who was in the Hall of Fame there. And then I applied it in, for Thief River Falls, 24 years old. I had no idea what I was doing. And I think the only reason they hired me is because I might have been the only guy that applied for the job. Um, you know, they're, they're, you know as, when I got the job, I started looking into you know, their records and their past. And, you know, I, you know, I kind of got all caught up in that stuff. Like they're not winning, you know, you know, what am I going to do? But um, it was, it was a great place to come into because whatever I did, it was, it was okay because they weren't winning. So a lot of trial and error and stuff like that. So, you know, my, my coaching background was two years as an assistant coach and superior, two years as a head coach. And, um, at the, for, for, uh, you know, uh, for track, you know, for, for the men's, uh, for the boys track team, then coming to Thief River Falls in 1985 and I've been here ever since. So it's been, uh, my goal was to get some experience and get back to God's country, Wisconsin. And, and I'm still here. The, the grass isn't any greener anywhere else. And it's just been a wonderful place to teach and coach and raise my family. You know, both my kids have graduated from here and it's just been, uh, been a remarkable, remarkable run. So, yeah. So, we, we talk a lot about community and how we want to pour into the communities that we're in and we're invested in. And, and you talk about maybe at the beginning thinking, Hey, I was going to get back to Wisconsin. I was going to get back to blasphemy, God's country. Um, <laughs> but Thief river is, you know, as far Northwest more or less in Minnesota that you can get. And what about that place and what about your role and your impact in that place has, has really allowed you to establish roots. Cause I think about, like you said, not many people are doing this and staying put in small rural communities. And we really have a heart for that. Cause we both grew up in these small towns that had these amazing people kind of pouring into us. What about your experience there has, has tied you to that place? What about the community has, has ingratiated you or given you this hope to say, this is where I want to be and raise a family. It's a great, great, yeah. Great question. And great comments about that. You know, when I, I, I can remember when my dad was up here. My dad passed away in 1940 or 1940, 19, 1994, and I miss him all the time. But we played Fergus Falls, and Fergus Falls was loaded. Coach Stuvey had one of those teams that, you know, just it was, yeah, it wasn't, uh, they were just better than we were. And I remember my dad, I told my dad, I said, I got to get out of here. I said, I don't know if I can win here. And it was homecoming, and uh, Mr. Lynn Dyer always had the staff and anybody in our district that want to come to his place after homecoming for a gathering you had a fire down by the river. And, and I remember when on Sunday, when my mom and dad left, my dad said, you know what, there's really good people here. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, everybody that I met at that place, the teachers and coaches from the elementary to the junior high to the high school, they're, they're all invested. And my dad was a business guy, you know, he had a business degree and, and stuff. And he just said, this is a good place. You just need to give it time. And being 24 years old, I wanted to win right now. You know, it was, that was important to me. You know, I look back, you know, when I get, get a chance to speak and stuff and talk to the younger coaches that it, it doesn't happen right away. Believe me, because my first year we were 0-8 and we scored nine total points a whole year. 
and we weren't good between the twenties. We weren't good anywhere. And, um, and it was just, um, but the, but the community let me coach. They, they let me make mistakes. And yeah, there is some criticism because it, it maybe, you know, it, it took a little longer than two to three years, which I hoped. And, you know, once I figured out that, you know, you know, you don't start from the top, you know, you start from the bottom. And there was a tennis coach that spoke at the Nike coach of the year clinic one year. And he talked about taking a pyramid and starting from the top and working your way down. And he said, he goes, I use this with my kids. He said, so I tell them, you know, so you take the pyramid, divide it into five or six sections and you say, okay, put down your, 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 your best, your best skills that you have one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Then he said, now you take the pyramid, turn it upside down. And, and that's how you figure out your practice plan. You know, you go from worst to best because everybody wants to work, you know, I mean, everybody wants to work on their best skills, you know? So, you know, in, in Thief River Falls, it wasn't, you know, we had a, we were losing kids. And so we just went, we started to, you know, we worked from the bottom up, change, changing our junior high program, um, you know, getting things consistent, you know, getting coaches there. And once, you know, I think once you start that, when the community sees the, you know, the improvement and all the things that, you know, that you're doing. And I, you know, I remember Larry Hoff said, if, if you're going to get fired from a job, where you're going to lose the respect of, uh, of, of, of the, especially the parents of the community is number one, don't, don't let them ever think that you're not working very hard. You know? And I said, well, how, how do you show that? They said, they'll, they'll just know, they'll know if you're working hard. And, um, and, and I've, that's, I've, I think I, I think that's one thing that I would give myself credit for is, is I continue to work hard and, and nobody's ever going to outwork me. You know what they, you know, you know what they may beat us from time to time, but nobody's going to outwork us. But, um, the community and especially the parents. And I think that's a lot of the stuff that I did with our parents involved with the football program. I know some coaches are, I mean, they're afraid of the parents and you, you can't be They're They're vital. If you don't have them. You're not going to be there very long. And so when, when that started to fall into place, um, you know, the community and what we did, especially outside of football, um, they embraced it. I don't know if they've all embraced me, but um, it, it, you know, we had a good thing going and, and it's just been, I don't know. It's uh, it's just been a great, great place to live, and it's a good system. We've had great superintendents and great, great principals, so we've been very, very fortunate. So, and there's so many questions I have already. But so, Coach, you talked about Thief River be having great people and being a place. I I lived in Thief River for five years, my wife and I, and and um, one of I told I tell you this every chance I get. One of my biggest regrets was not getting to coach with you. You left, I think the year before we moved there and then now you're back, you know, helping out a little bit. Um, and obviously I'm not there anymore, but one of the things that when, when my wife and I go to a different community, it's, is there a golf course for me? And what's the high school football program? Like, those are my two things. Other, other than that, I'm pretty, pretty easy. I can, I can be flexible. Right. Okay. And um, when we started thinking about moving to Thief forever, I, I started to come across your stuff. You had a whole library. I think you had, it was, you know, back in the time of, uh, you know, there wasn't a website really. It was just like this document. It was like a thousand pages. It seemed like, but it wasn't that money, you know, but it seemed like it was huge. And it was all this motivational character. It's leadership. It's, it's about how you live your life sort of stuff. And, and I was super excited. And then obviously, you know, disappointed to not get to work with you as much, but having gotten to know you, I, I love that that's your background. And, and 
I think the biggest question that I have is where did that come from? Where did that start? Because I think you started doing that at a time where even today in 2020, that kind of stuff isn't standard in high school athletic programs. It just isn't. Some coaches do it. Some people don't. And so what, what sorts of things were you, you know, engaged with or learning from that made you say, you know, this is a, this is a vital part of what I'm going to do. And, and maybe what are some of those things that you were doing then and, and even now? Well, you've opened up the door. We, we could be going for two days here right now. But, you, know, <laughs> you know, and again, you know, again, you know, when you came to our community in 2010, I got out and I was feeling great. Our program was in great shape. Um, I, I can thank Mitch Album for that. Um, Cause every Sunday after church, I'd go to the school and I would, I would, I would first take care of all the school stuff that I needed to. And then I would start, you know, getting our stuff ready for our, our coaches meeting. Cause we always met on Sunday afternoons and, and in the Minneapolis Tribune, there was an article in the parade section. And I'm sure, I don't know if anybody realized what that, I, I never read the parade section. So it fell out of the paper. I grabbed it and I was like, well, I might as well scroll through it. And then on the, I think it was on a second, or I think it was on, on, on the back page. And it was an article written by Mitch Album, and it was called The Coach Who Walked Away. And it was written about Lloyd Carr when he was coaching at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And I love Mitch Album's book. I, I, I haven't read all of them, but I'm pretty close to reading all of them. And, and so I read the article and it was a good article about why Mitch, or excuse me, about, about why Lloyd Carr got out. He had a successful season and it got to the very end and, 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 uh, and Mitch Album asked Lloyd Carr, he said, so if you were to give advice, what would it be? And, and Coach Carr said, um, if you can get out when you love it, you're one of the lucky ones. And I just sat there and I thought about that. I was like, yeah, I've been head coach for 26 years. I've invested 26 wonderful years into the program. And I, I think there is, I, I wasn't under any pressure at all. I mean, I, in all the years that I've coached, I, I, I had two letters and um, two letters that looked like they were written by third graders because I think they tried to write it like that. And it didn't make any sense, um, but I kept them. And I'll share a story on that one later because it, it was pretty good. And, but we had a couple of coaches in our district that were going through some parental stuff and they were devastated. And I was like, you know what, if I get out right now, I'm getting out at, at the top. I, I love it. We got like 30 some seniors where our program's in good shape. So it was game, it was going into game four. So I went into um, Mr. Biermeyer and I said, I go when the season's over, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hang it up. And he goes, yeah, yeah, right. I said, no, he goes, he goes, what's wrong? I go, nothing. I said, I love it. And he goes, well, where are you going to get out? And I said, because I love it. And he said, that doesn't make any sense Jeff. And he goes, you know what you think about it. And we'll get, we'll get back, you know, at the, at the end of the year. And this is how the relationships they build with kids. So every Wednesday, our captains will go out for dinner. Uh, they'd pick that place to go on to eat. And I always said my captains, and we always involved a couple other kids from the team, but they were like my assistant coaches. So we'd go over um, the pro, you know, uh, I always call it the good, the bad, the ugly. And we would cover things that we needed to. And, you know, nothing was ever going to leave that, you know, that dinner. And um, it's also a good place to eat, too, except when they started wanting to go to Joe DiMaggio's Red Lake Falls. I said, guys, like, so we got to keep in Peeper Falls. We can't be driving, you know, 20 some miles away to, you know, go to <laughs> eat. Um, so I, I gave, gave the four captains that night a letter on my resignation. And they looked at me, and I remember two of them started crying. And they said, what, what did we do wrong? I said, didn't do anything wrong. I love you guys. And they said, well, why are you getting out? And I said, so I, I explained it to him and we we're all good with that. And I said, you know what? I said, there's only you four guys that know myself 
Mr. Biermeyer, maybe because I, he, cause he's gonna make me think about it. And then I said, you know, the prowler in the sky, that's all that I know about. If I ever hear anything about it, then, you know, you know, then I've lost your trust as captains. They never said a word. They never said a word till, till, you know, you know, till the end of the year. Um, so, I mean, you're the stuff that are, that our kids, kids do, um, the relationships. And I, I go back John to when I didn't want to leave Wisconsin, I wanted to stay in, in that superior area. Yeah. And I remember coach Hoff said, you know, you know, what, what are your goals? And I said, I want to be a football coach. He goes, well, you're not going to do it here because I'm going to be here for a long time. And I'm not going to get fired. And he goes, and it looks like there's not a whole lot of jobs in Northwest Wisconsin. So I, you know, I was substitute teaching. I was a head track coach and I don't want to substitute teacher anymore that, you know, they, they don't get paid enough money to be substitute teachers, even, even back when I was doing it. So I applied for a job in Morgan Park, Minnesota called the Bethany Crisis Shelter. And it was a, uh, it was a home run by Lutheran Social Services and it was a residential place. And it would, I think at that time we had like 20 people that would hold. And it was, it was a full-time job. I'm like, well, it can't be that bad. So I applied for the job and I got an interview and I remember the lady said, she goes, uh, you spelled counselor wrong. I'm like, yeah, well, so I, well, I tried, you know, the fired teacher, so I didn't spell very well, but, but they gave me the job and I had no idea what I was getting into. I was getting into a place where they had 20, 20 to 24 kids that nobody wanted. They couldn't function in school, couldn't function at their family. It was a placement for 30, 60, 90 days. Some days we held them for 120. So I got stuck with a bunch of kids that nobody in college ever, ever told us how to work with. That was somebody else's responsibility. Now I had a whole house full of them. And it was intimidating because they were street smart. And you know, I, I could tell you some unbelievable stories that happened there that, that, that shaped me, but they were so smart that they knew exactly when I would go around and check, you know, bed check because I always did the night, um, you know, night shifts. So I could, you know, so I could coach and stuff, but they knew exactly when I did it. So I do it. They, they don't go out their windows and uh, they, whatever. And also I got in trouble for that. I got in trouble for a whole bunch of stuff. And then, um, so I was bored at night and I started, uh, I started a journal. And so the kids would write in a journal and I would write back to them because I wanted something to do at night besides doing bed checks and sit there and do nothing except, you know, like be a security person. But it, it taught me that every single kid in that place was a great kid a great human being. They just had a bunch of junk going on in their life and uh, from home and all just, and there were kids that nobody wanted. And that, I tell you what, when I, when I get to speak, I always tell, you know, the new teachers that you need to work at a place like Bethany Christ shelter. You need to be stuck with a group of kids that you can develop trust with because they don't trust anybody because, because no one's ever given them a, a, a you know, a, a, a time a day. And so to me, that has been the biggest influence on, teaching and coaching is if, if, if you don't get to know the kids, you're, you're missing out. You know, I always say, don't miss a moment. And there's a lot of teachers and coaches that they miss them. They miss, you know, they miss them all just the little things. And so the Bethany crisis shelter to me, I think shaped me as to where I am today, because every kid's important. And even if they do mess up, you, you have to be there. Like one of my rules was if, if they got caught doing something bad on a weekend, let's say drinking, I, I, I said, you know, you know, we had our school rules and our team rules, but I had to be the first person to know as a school official. So when kids knocked on my door on a Saturday or Sunday, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. And they say, coach, you know what, you know what, we, we did this. And I said, okay, thank you. And I said, if that's the biggest mistake you ever make in life, you know what, we're okay. You know, we're going to get through it. And so that was that trust, you know, that trust part again. And 
don't, you know, don't give up on kids. So that, I know I went on and on about it. I'm sorry about that, but it's, it's uh, the best day crisis shelter was, was a turning point in my life because if I was going to function there, I needed to get to know those kids and they had to trust me. And we, I mean, I was, I'm a teacher. We both, John, all three of us are coaches in some capacity and we understand the value of relationships and trust. Mm-hmm. And what I see as being the big, the big takeaway from that and, and what I know that you've done and what John was talking about when he kind of intro that question about this, you know, felt like a thousand pages of leadership and character and this sort of stuff is that not only did you build trust with the kids over time, but you built trust with the community and the parents to allow you to build kind of character education into the system. Because I know that you have a leadership class and you've, and you've done those things. I know that that's not always possible in every community because I, I just, in my experience, I've tried to do some things like that as well, where I, where we were developing character education or leadership type classes. And, and it met with resistance because people are like, well, you, you, who are you to say this thing, you know? And one of the things that has to happen in order to do that is to develop that trust that you're talking about and to have those meaningful relationships and for people to see you be consistent in those type of behaviors. And, and, you have been talking about this stuff, like John said, way before anybody else was. And that experience at Bethany Crisis Shelter allowed you to see the value in it. What are the things that you've taught that other people have come back to you and said, this was so crucial. This was so important. This thing changed me because you've had that, you've had that opportunity on kids' life. Cause I'm 35 and I've had kids come back to me and say that, you know, I did I taught for nine years where you taught for a lot longer than that. What are some things where people have come back to you and said, coach, this thing, you doing this thing made such a huge difference. Good, great points. Um, and 99.9% is it's not, it's not about the game of football. Yeah. It isn't the games we won. It's the game we lost. I mean, yeah, at some point when you sit down, you know, you talk about it, it's just, it's that they were so proud to be a prowler football player you know, with what we did in the community, what we did in the school, you know, you know, and, you know, on Thursdays, we used to wear this goofy looking royal blue shirt that had a big gold dot on it. And it was our gold dot day. And on the back in real small letters said Preller football, do what's right at all times. And I said, I go, so during that day, you need to get recognized by doing, you know, going out of your way and making somebody else's day special. I said, well, you know, we're picking a day, it's Thursday, um, but you need to do it all the time. And, so Thursdays was great, you know, and some people, you know, some coaches say, well, all kids, our kids will never wear those shirts. I'm like, well, the, you know, you know what they did in Thief River Falls, um, grades nine through 12, you know, on Fridays, you know, we do our traditional, you know, our, our you know, our game day stuff. And, you know, the, the captains would always pick the dress, you know, whether we're going to wear our, our, we had a, uh, 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 pullover top that we had or our jerseys. And, and as the jerseys have, have, have become a little bit, uh, you know, they're different than back in the past before they're a little bit loose and all you put them on, you can probably get them off. So, I mean, if you're a 340 pound lineman, you know, those jerseys are like skin tight on you. So I'm like going coach, you know, I'd rather have, you know, can I wear shoulder pads at school? Like, no, you can't. And, you know, so the jerseys are a lot different. So, you know, so we took into consideration that, you know, or sorry, kids, you know, you know, would do that. So our dress up days weren't, you know, and, and our kids always had to wear khaki pants or shorts. And the question is, well, what if they don't? Well, they, they just do. And, you know, we've got guys like Trevor Swanson in our community and Jared Cole, and I can name a bunch more, and I'm sorry I'm just naming those two, but those two have been instrumental. If, 
if our kids need anything, like when I go through my FIAD stuff and, and coaching stuff, I always say, I promise you this, if you need something, we can get it for you. Uh, we had a, we had a, we had a mother just, just crying her eyes out a couple of falls ago because her son needed tennis shoes. And her, she said, her son came back and said, coach mom said, I can get a pair of shoes and I need a mom. So she called me up and she told me what size. And I called her back and I said, what color do you, do you want? And she goes, seriously, you're, you're asking what color I want. She goes, this is unbelievable. And I said, well, next time you go to Purdy's, give the guy in there a great big hug. You know, so, you know, the, the community plays a vital part in, 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 you know, in, in all of that stuff. Um, I kind of lost my train of thought here because I'm jumping around here a little bit. Um, so the going back to, you know, the, just the community part and, you know, like after games, you know, we clean the locker room, every, every kid had a responsibility. And I can remember getting this wonderful letter from the AD from Richfield and said, the locker room, these kids come in carrying these buckets of brooms and cleaning stuff. And I remember we're at the Alaris center for the section championship game. And, and the guys are met us at the door and they go, why are you guys bringing all this cleaning stuff? They said, well, we clean a locker room. When we're done, they go, what do you mean you clean a locker room? I said, well, that's what, what we do. And they go, we've been doing this for whatever. We've never seen anybody doing it. I said, well, come on down and join us. And, you know, I mean, we didn't know we had, you know, they had carpeted uh, locker rooms because we didn't have vacuum cleaners, but they brought vacuum cleaners for us. But the, I had the best story in the locker rooms where we're in Hibbing and we clean the locker room. And all of a sudden, uh, uh, two custodians came up and said, who's your head coach? And so the coaches point at me and I'm like, geez, you know, you know, what are we doing? They, you know, they came over and said, our, our locker room is spotless. You know, we have nothing to do. I said, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to do anything. And uh, so come over here, you know, grab a sub sandwich and, you know, you know, get paid for, you know, eating with the Prowler football team. You know, so, you know, I look back at all the things that we did from the locker rooms to the dot days to our, the stuff that we did with, you know, with the, with the, with the, uh, with elderly homes. And I can go on and on and on that just that, that involvement in the community when they see good things are happening. And so when the kids come back and say, you know, they talk about all the things we did away from the football field and how it, how it carries over in, into their life and what they're doing with their own kids right now. So that's, I, I love that part. You know, yeah, we talk about football a little bit too, but it's all the other stuff that we did that, you know, is, is, was, was so wonderful. Where did all that other stuff come from coach? Did it, was it just, you, you, you came up with an idea and you said, yeah, that sounds really good. We're going to do that. We're going to serve our community. Or was that something that, you know, your high school did or your college, you know, where did that stuff come from? Because there are so many things and I was only a small part of it, but just so many things in that community between barbecues and car washes and service stuff and all sorts of different things that are synonymous with your time with deep river football. Yeah. You know, we used to, uh, another thing too, that I really, really liked was, you know, our freshmen were adopted by a senior. And uh, so we had a, so we would draw names out. So if, if I, if I was obviously I, I'd be a senior and you'd be the younger guy but I, I would have you during the fall and you were responsible for meeting with them a couple of times a week. We had pizza dinners. And then we all, the seniors and the freshmen would either go to a UND or a Bison football game, but, but we always took our kids to a gopher game and a Viking game back in the day. And, and, you know, that was always fun. It was a great, you know, great time to bond and things like that. But it, you know, it, it, it goes back to um, the relationships goes back to Bethany, but um, it's, if I was going to win in Thief River Falls when I got here, I needed to get 
all the kids out that were going to make us successful. I needed to get the hockey guys. I needed to get the basketball. I needed to get the rest. I needed those guys to be there and they weren't playing. And so, you know, when I met with the parents and I'm like, okay, what's, you know, what, what's going on? And it's like, well, you know, you know, they're not winning and, and, you know, there's still that little bit, well, I'm going to save my son. He's because he's going to be in the NBA. He's going to be in the national hockey league and stuff like that. You're always going to get that. But when, when the kids come, you know, once things started to roll, you know, kids that never played before wanted to be a part of what we were doing, not, not the football part, but everything else that we were doing. And I always had a philosophy too, is that if, if you and I played the same position and we were about equal, then you, you and I would decide, so how we're going to rotate. You know, we had our starters, then we had our rotation players and we had our backups. And I remember one game we had our, 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 whatever tackle was playing. And I remember Charlie Cornell said, this, this is, this is crunch time. Do you think he should be in there? Be in there. And I said, are you going to go tell him he's, he's uh, you know, that he shouldn't be in there. We're going to take him out. I said, that would crush him. I said, those guys decided on how they're going to rotate in and we're okay. And we were okay. I mean, the kids, uh, the kids bought in, you know, they knew where they were. And so, yeah, there was some trial and error, but I, I needed to, I needed to develop things beyond football that made it fun for the kids and something they wanted to be a part of. Then and we worked hard. I don't, I don't care what anybody says we worked harder in practice than anybody. We were nonstop and there was expectations in the weight room. Um, if you weren't playing a fall or a, a winter and spring sport, you know, then you needed to be with us. And now there was a three strike rule that I had with the parents and, and, but just the stuff that we did away from the football field is, I, I think the reason why we were successful is because kids want to be a part of it. So th the thing that keeps jumping out to me that when you, when you're talking about these things, the different stories or examples or, you know, approaches to how you were doing it. The thing that jumps out to me is giving the kids ownership, getting them to buy in. I mean, from the, you know, trusting your captains with the resignation letter to saying, you, you know, you guys are going to decide how we're going to rotate and how you're going to sub in. And we're going to give you that responsibility with the expectation that you're going to, you're going to step up to that and you're going to meet those expectations. Like it wasn't, Hey, uh, I don't want to wear khakis. Well, that's, that's the expectation is still up to you. Yeah. Right. So maybe just talk a little bit about that and your philosophy of, cause, and maybe that's, totally unintentional and that's just natural to you or is that something that you were specific about saying hey we're going to give these kids the responsibility and accountability for their own program and and it's just going to build from there yeah great question again too is you know when we would meet in in the uh in the spring uh, the senior football players or anybody that want to you know, you know want to come up for football as a senior so the seniors to be would always design their own t-shirt. They would pick their word for the year. Sometimes they'd pick their song for the year because my, my favorite song is, is a hundred years and uh, by five for fighting. It's amazing that, and, you know, and, you know, and I still get kids say, Hey, Hey, that song was, I'll get a message. Hey, coach hundred years was on, you know, you know, it brought me back to the good days and stuff. And um, so go back to your question again, because I, I, I was, I was thinking about <laughs> something else. So, and I'm not getting that old. So, Okay, come back with it again. You're the main part that you were just talking about. Well, so the question is, how, how do you build in, you know, the buy-in for the kids and say, hey, you know, this is, we're going to give you the responsibility in all these things and then hold you to a high standard. Okay. I've always believed that, you know, 
it doesn't kids, kids all kids always want discipline and kids always want something that you know that you know that they're held held accountable for i even in my classes i always tell tell my kids you may not like me and that's okay but i'm going to treat you just like my son or son or daughter i'm going to talk to you the same way i talk to them i'm going to be honest i'm going to love you i'm going to hug you even though we can't even get you know get close to them right now right. But, but our seniors would get together you know they design their t-shirts their word for the year and then they would they would also besides our state high school league rules and high school rules, they, they would have their, their rules that they wanted, team rules, okay? And they could be five or they could be 10, but the seniors developed those. And I found out when, when players develop their own rules, they don't break them. And if they do break them, it really kind of tells you, you know, kind of tells you where you're at. You know, so the accountability of the teachers that every football player in grades six through 12 wore, um, the word for the year with their, with, you know, and, and things that was, it was, it was theirs. And, you know, we had the banner made up, you know, with the year, you know, with the, uh, with the year and the word for the year and the, and the saying for the year. And, and that was theirs. Um, and just, you know, I, I always wanted us to look good. I was, I always told them, I, I said, Hey, when we leave any place that we play, number one, you know, we're there to win. If we don't win, we're still going to walk off the field and people are going to say, Hey, that's, you know, that's a bunch of classy kids. If we eat anywhere, we're going to clean the entire, we're going to clean the entire restaurant. So we leave, they're going to say, you know what? We'll see if River kids are, are, are pretty good kids. And, and we all look the same. We didn't look like we just rolled out of a ditch. Um, you know, um, our, our, our kids could wear hats, um, but it had to say prowlers. Um, you know, so, you know, th those things, like these, these are expectations that I really think we need to have because it's because we're representing Thief River Falls and we're representing your parents and, you know, and yeah, honestly, there wasn't a whole lot of times where kids went out of their way and just didn't, uh, you know, didn't follow, follow what we were trying to do. And if it was like, okay, so what are we going to do? So, so I'm going to make it better. You know, you know, going back to kids, so I remember an overtime game when I think our program really turned the corner was what, 1991 or 92, we were playing Crookson and, and, and Thief River hadn't beaten Crookson in a hundred years. And we were dominating the game and then boom, fumble, they score. All of a sudden the game's tied. We go to overtime. So Crookson, you know, gets the ball first, score, kicks the extra point. Okay. All right. So we get the ball, we score in the very first play, call timeout. Now walk in the huddle line. So we, I said, what do you guys want to do? You want to kick the extra point and go to overtime number two or go for two and win the game? And I said, take a vote. Well, there was 10 votes. I said, let's go for two and one vote that said to kick the extra point. Cause he said, he goes, well, what if, we, what if we don't get the two? I said, well, we lose. He goes, well, I think we should kick the extra point. And I said, well, it's 10 to one vote. You lost. And I said, all right, guys, you call the play. And I walked out of the huddle. And I remember a couple of our coaches were like, you know, what play did you call? And I go, I, I don't know. I didn't call any play. What do you mean you didn't call a play? I said, I didn't call a play. They go, well, you have to call a play. And I said, it's, it's their game. And they called the play and we scored and we won. And uh, those kids still talk about that. I got a couple that are coaching right now. You know, Coach Kynes is down at Tracy Milroy. He sent me a radio interview when he brought that up and said, coach came ahead and said, you guys call the play. And he said he did that with his team too. So ownership, it's, it's their game. Um, you know, if they buy into it, then you've, you've, you, you know, you've, you've got the best of everything. We talk a lot, John and I, between ourselves off air, uh, you know, about we need boundaries. Humans crave boundaries. They want discipline. Like you said, you said that word discipline and many of us hear the word discipline and we recoil because we think of it sometime when something bad happened. Right. But our, we had a coach in college that used to say pain of discipline or pain of regret you choose. 
And I think that that setup, that boundary is that place where it's, if you go past it, it's pain and regret. Okay. If you come right up against it, it's pain and discipline. That discipline is like that. good and it's valuable, you know, and, and we crave boundaries. Even me in my life at 35, I'm thinking, Hey, I kind of got this thing figured out. We have the business. We, you know, I have a daughter. We have, like, life is good. And then it's like, I go past the boundary sometimes where I'm, you know, watching football all day on a Sunday or something. I didn't get anything done. And now <laughs> Monday comes and it's put pain or regret, you know, and it's little things like that, that we don't realize these sort of all the things that, you know, you're talking about with your athletes, they come back to you and say, you know, 25, 30 years later, I still remember that thing. You gave us the freedom to be disciplined, to choose, to have accountability. I just think that it's something so many coaches need to hear, right? Because we, we want to say, well, what if they don't? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. You're going to find the boundary line. Yep. And on either side, you're going to have a type of pain. And it's up to us to choose which one we want to go through. And, and that pain or regret, yeah, it's a learner. But pain and discipline, we might have an unbelievable outcome down the road. And um, I think those words, if, if there are young coaches listening or coaches out there that have struggled to build programs or to, to be successful, think about that, that ability to give accountability to our athletes and to give good, clear boundaries because we're going to learn on either side of them. Without them, I don't know that we can. Yep. That, those are great points. That's, you know, it, it's got to be clear expectations. The kids need to know and the parents need to know. And, and right now with the new generation coming, they, they, they think, you know, I don't want to use the word devil here, but I mean, they're, they're so afraid of the parents. They will not do anything with them. And, we, you know, we had mother's meetings, you know, that we'd show the, the equipment, you know, now I know a good friend of mine, now, now the mother's coming, they do football drills and, uh, and, and the mothers love it, you know, and, you know, once they find out about, the game and all, all the, uh, all the safety things that are going on, it makes them feel a little bit better. You know, so we used to have, you know, mother's meeting, you know, we met with the parents. Um, we used to have on uh, Thursday nights, we used to have uh, that parent film night. You know, we would watch one half of the, the, the game that we just played and watch our opponent. And then we would, uh, you know, we would, you know, um, you know, talk about it. And some, and some coaches were saying, aren't you opening yourself up for criticism? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am. And, what do the parents say? They, you know, we open up for a conversation and we talk and there wasn't anything in there that really made me uncomfortable. And, but it was good because, it, you know, they saw what we were trying to do. Um, you know, at the end of the year, I remember, I remember Irv Peterson, I don't know if John, you remember him, he just passed away, former superintendent, one of the, one of the greatest, greatest guys I've ever met. One of the greatest Christians that I think have ever been out there. And um, so at the end of the year, we always do a, a uh, survey of every football player and every coach, or excuse me, and every parent. And it was about our football program. And question number, I think it was number 14 said, should coach Jeff Mum remain the head football coach in FIFA River Falls, yes or no, and why? And when I first started doing it, you know, I'd get him like, okay, what's this one going to say? What's this going to say? There was only one of all the years that I did it, that it wasn't signed. I said, if it isn't signed, we're going to put it in file 13. Well, I, I kept it because <laughs> Just in case, you know, there's something on there, but I did keep it. So, um, but I remember, so then we, we type it all out. We sent it to all the school board members, all the administration. And to, of course, to the superintendent, he came over and he goes, are, are you crazy? And that was the first time I ever met him, um, you know, personally. Like, and he goes, like, like, what are you talking about? He goes, nobody sends stuff like this out. And I'm like, if they don't want me to be the head football coach, then, then I'll get out. You know, but I said, some of the greatest changes that we ever made in our football program 
were because some parents had a different insight or a mother saw something different that we should do. Um, and it worked. And so we gave those people, you know, we gave those people credit for that. And so there's that buy-in, like, you know, this guy is asking us for input. He's asking us to be honest. And, you know, that, like I was point blank. I mean, we ran, we ran the tea. You know, it, it isn't like the Elk River tea and, and, uh, and the guy from Zealand West, that's a hybrid and they're ball fakes. I thought we had good ball fakes. They are, they're, they're, in a, they're, they're on another level. But so I remember one parent said, he goes, well, how can you take the quarterbacks to the Jeff Tricky quarterback leadership camp in grades nine through 12? You do all the stuff with them. I said, because I want to get all their throwing done in the summer because we're not going to throw in the fall. <laughs> we're going to get it done in the summer. And I'm sure some of the parents were like, well, that's stupid. You know, my, my son wants to throw the ball. Well, we didn't throw the ball a whole lot, and we, you know, and, and we didn't have to. But um, so, yeah, those things. And again, I, I know I'm, I'm missing stuff about what we did with the parents, but that survey, our, our, I don't know if I've no, there hasn't been one coach in our district. And I said, do a survey. No, 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 no. We're, we're not, we're not doing that. I was like, why? What, what are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? And that's my question to, to all the teachers. And what, what are you afraid of? I mean, if it's, you know, it, it just helps us get better. Sometimes, you know, that, you know, being point blank and sometimes we don't see things the way other people see it. And it's good. It is good to get that from other people. It, it helps tremendously. So I, I think you, you kind of wrapped it up there, but the thing that I kept thinking was you have to put yourself out there in order to be willing and to get that feedback, right? you you said, am I opening myself up for criticism? Yeah. No. That's the only way that you're going to grow though. Right. Otherwise we have the potential to kind of get stuck in, this is how we do it. This is what we do. And then we develop blind spots. We, we had a podcast a few weeks ago where it was all about our blind spots, right? We get into these spaces where we just don't even see the things that the mother in the stands sees that can make us better. And I think that's so true. And, you know, most of our time today, coach has been talking about, at least under the guise of talking about football, right? But I know you well enough to know that you, this carries over into your classroom and all of the stuff that we talked about. And as coaches, we do because it's about life, you know, and I, and, and everything that you just said there too is true of, of business. You know, if I have employees, how can I get them to buy in and to own you know, what we're doing and where we're going. How can I open myself to the feedback that I need to grow and get better every day? And uh, it's just powerful stuff. And I, I really appreciate your time and, and yeah, sharing all yeah, the wisdom. Could, and, we could, I could go on and on about other stuff too, you know, with our, when our seniors select the, the most inspirational teacher in our district and to see the teachers cry because we have a separate dinner banquet for them. Our senior banquet, banquet just the senior parents of what our kids do. Um, it's just, it's just a family thing. And I, and at the end, I'm going to leave you with, with one story because this young man gets back to me every year. And if I go over my time limit, I'm sorry, but every time he gets a hold of me, I cry. And if I cried saying it right now, then so be it. But in 1990, in 1995, we got beat by Detroit Lakes 21 to 20 and probably one of the best football games I was ever part of. Whoever won that game was going to be the state champ. Then DL walked right through the state tournament. So we had a young man who moved into our district, didn't know much about him. Uh, it was a, it was a junior. And so after the game, you know, we go through our senior handshake. That's always hard um, because, you know, we've always lost the last game. We never were state champs, you know, 
because we always line the seniors up and we shake hands and we cry and we hug and we do all this stuff. And so we got done at the Fargo Dome. We went into the, into the locker room and it was, it was tough because it was, we had a tremendous group of kids that did everything we asked them to do. And they just didn't, we lost 21 to 20. And this kid came up to me that I didn't know very well. And he goes, Hey coach, how you doing? I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I go, why is that? And he goes, do I go play some catch? I go, I go, what do you mean play catch? He said, you want to go out on the, on the turf and play some catch? And again, don't miss the moment. Why was he asking me that? I have no idea. Well, I do know. I said, I'm going to do it. So we go out there and we're on the Fargo Dome. You know, former quarterback, John, I'm throwing like 70, 80-yard passes to this kid. Not, not really, not knowing that far. So we're playing catch. And my kids have always played catch. I play catch with my son and my daughter. So we're playing catch, and then we were the last game that night. The guys came over and said, Coach, we're going to shut the lights off. You know, you got to get off the field. And I said, okay. So we're, uh, we're walking through the tunnel, and he just stops, looks at me, and says, Coach, Coach, thanks for playing catch. And I'm like, you know, well, no, thank you. You know, it was kind of refreshing, you know, with the game and everything. No, no, no. He goes, you don't get it. I said, well, they're just playing catch. And he goes, well, um, I don't know where my dad is. Um, I never got to play catch with my dad. And, uh, you know, so I got to play catch with you. So, um, so he gets hold of me every fall. He didn't tell me that story yet. So, so there, that's what it's all about. It's right there. Don't, don't miss those moments. And uh, we're, we're, we got so many new teachers and coaches who are, who are missing them. So just a simple game of catch. And that kid remember, remembers it still to this day. That's from 1995. So, um, so yeah, wow, okay. Um, thank you, guys. This, is, this has been wonderful. And uh, yeah, like I said, I've, I've got I've got notes hanging all around me here on on stuff and uh, it's it's been wonderful. So I I can't thank you two enough for having having me on here. So thank you very very much. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Thanks again to Coach Jeff Mum, Hall of Famer in the state of Minnesota, and incredible stuff. And I I, I just think of his former players. I I would have loved to play for him. I said in the interview, I would have loved to coach with him. Um, I think he just brings good juice. And I, the last thing, that last story, the emotion that you can still feel from 1995, he thinks about it every year, right? And how many of those kids that he's coached has he impacted in, in a similar way that he doesn't hear about? And I think that's true of, of you out there listening too is don't miss the moment, Right, that's the challenge that he gave to us, and I think that's the challenge takeaway for me out of this conversation is, don't miss the moment, getting caught up, worried about the stuff that you have going on later on, the stuff that happened. Like, what about now? How can I make an impact now and and uh, stay in that thing, stay in the fight? Appreciate you guys listening. As always, check us out on social media. We are Eyes Up Mindset everywhere, um, and. If you find value in this, share it, give it away, find somebody that hasn't listened or hasn't listened in a while and say, Hey, you know what? Check this out. It's good stuff. We appreciate you guys. We love you. And as always live eyes up.